Our next speaker is and panelist is Mr. Jonathan Smith, former Commissioner of Police, who now works in the private sector. He is a former Progressive Labour Party Senator and Junior Minister of National Security, and he served on numerous government boards. He holds a diploma in criminology and police studies from the University of Cambridge in the UK, and his latest book, Island Flames, focuses on Bermuda's 1977 race riots, which were the most extensive and deadly riots ever experienced in Bermuda. Mr. Jonathan Smith. It's a real honor to be part of this uh, panel tonight, but I do recognize that I'm somewhat exceptional in my company because everyone here has actually completed a book, and this might be the very first occasion where Oxford University have accepted a book for their library that no one's even read yet. But Alexa, before you go back to England next month, I can give you the book cover if you'd like to take that, take that with you. The book um, will be available in Bermuda in about uh, mid, mid-October, I'm pleased to say. There's three parts to my presentation this evening. The first one deals with 1977 and how much we were on the brink of a catastrophe. The second part is and ask the question, why would this be of interest to a researcher? And then the third part of my presentation is, what did the research find? The first part, 1977, was very different from today. Bermuda was on the brink of a catastrophe. There were significant societal problems. Bermuda did not have a healthy diagnosis at that time. There was a legacy of racial discrimination, an unfair electoral system that some say was gerrymandered. There was discrimination at all levels, particularly in the economy, a clear black and white divide. And then by the end of the year, the pending executions of Burroughs and Tacklin two black men for the murders of five white men raised the tension significantly. But the problems, what's significant about 1977, though, the problems, as we've heard from the other speakers tonight, the problems went back centuries. And I believe it goes back to the very first parliament in 1620. And who voted back then? All male, all white, all landowners. And believe it or not, you have to then fast forward to the 1968 Constitution, 348 years later. In that time, whites had an advantage with the property vote. It took 348 years to finally dispense with that property vote by virtue of the 1968 Constitution. In many ways, 1977 was the perfect storm for unrest. There were many, many ingredients to it. There was a growing mood of violence. There had been riots in 1965, 1968, 1970, and 1971. We were not too far removed at that time from the very influential to the black community, the Black Beret cadre of the early 1970s. There were many unresolved political, social, racial, and economic issues. There was rising tension, almost exclusively tied to race. The convictions and death sentences of um, Burroughs and Tacklin loomed large by the end of the year. There was a colonial regime but it's, which itself had become a target. Remember, the governor was the very first, um, sorry, the second to be assassinated after the British police commissioner. And then there was this classic leadership contrast at the time. The UBP leader at the time, Sir David Gibbons, white, viewed as privileged, contrasted with the female black um, leader of the opposition Progressive Labour Party, Lois Brown Evans. So you had this divide on the ground and also divide in Parliament as well. The death penalty itself was enormously contentious in 1977, and there was an anti-capital punishment, pun, 
anti-capital anti punishment campaign organized mostly by blacks, supported mostly by blacks, and seen to run contrary to the wishes of the white establishment at that time. So all those issues and many more converged in 1977. And as two successive royal commissions found, race was at the center of everything in dispute in 1968 and 1977. So why was this period of interest? It's a period of enormous historical significance. I argue in my book that it was the closest Bermuda ever came to a revolution. The Pitt Commission is arguably the most significant commission report into the affairs of Bermuda in the prior 50 years when it was written and in the near 40 years since. There was also political intrigue. The Progressive Labor Party was fresh off the success, relative success of the 1976 elections where they picked up some seats and then a further by-election in 1976. So you had this rising black awareness and rising black political power at the same time. From a personal perspective, I had a rather unique perspective. I wasn't in the police in 1977, but I joined a few years later. And my affinity towards uh, criminal investigations, of which I spent most of my career, was a launching pad for me to inquire into why what happened in Bermuda in 1977 happened. So the historical and political significance, Bermuda being close to a revolution, my own police background combined to make it a very intriguing period to research. And nobody had ever written about this period before. So what did the research find? Island Flames weaves together information from many, many sources. Most of it public, but the real gold mine was contained in the UK National Archives, where the files had been held from public view for 30 years. And there are some very surprising finds in the book about the context of who was saying what publicly and how that contrasted with what they were saying in private. There's some enormous contrasts, which you, you'll all come out in the book. The period is also steeped in all the socioeconomic, cultural, and political upheaval that I've described. Significantly, these were the executions of Burroughs and Tacklin, were the last hangings on British soil anywhere in the world. So that, that's the historical significance of why Bermuda was at the center and focus of world attention in 1977. It's also an, an era that was extremely violent. There were 10 lives lost in total, two of them killed by the state. The confrontation, the outrage, the political brinkmanship, the protests, the petitions, the riots, people were killed in the riots, and millions of dollars worth of property were destroyed. And quite simply, it was an era that the commission later found blacks by 1977, December 2nd, had clearly had enough. There are also similarities between 77 with 1968. And if I can just quote very quickly from the Wooding Commission, which kind of sums up that era. The corrosive psychological effects of racial inequality and segregation affected both segments of society and were at the heart of the problem Bermuda faced. Interestingly, the United Bermuda Party's own black caucus described themselves in 1975. This is their description of themselves as used black people. They described the black experience as exploitive and dehumanizing. A UK military intelligence officer in Bermuda only for six days in December 1977 described it as such. The hard fact is that it has been clearly demonstrated to blacks that the white Bermudian still retains the veto whatever the strength 
of black opinion. There is still a long way to go to racial equality. That report was buried in one of the FCO files. It was not commented on by anybody else, even though it was the truth at the time. It ran contrary to FCO views in 1977. But perhaps the 17 words that best define the problem were from Lois Brown Evans herself. And I quote, we have swept a backlog of sociological, economic, and political inequities under a manicured facade to fester. 17 extremely powerful words. 1977 saw what I describe as a significant expression of black conscience, black voices, and black protests. And you only need to reflect back on that era. Every single significant black group in Bermuda had something to say against capital punishment and against what the establishment was doing. From the AME churches, to the ministerial association, to the working men's clubs, to the Progressive Labor Party, to the BIU, to the Bermuda community of Islam, were unanimous against the hangings at that time. But as I articulate in the book, the events of 1977 should never be viewed in isolation. There are many common themes of protest, some of which we've heard here tonight. And if you were to categorize the five, the five main themes, the book sets out that they, were, they, that they were these, across decades and decades of conflict. Race, economic opportunity, an immigration policy which favored whites and others over blacks, the education system and the results of the education system, and the franchise, the electoral system. And an argument can be made that of those five issues, the only one substantively dealt with, with results, is the actual franchise system in 2003. There are still huge question marks over the equality of Bermuda and the results we're getting in those other four areas. So I'll conclude with this. The book paints a snapshot of 1977, but it reflects back, but it also reflects forward. I would like to um, acknowledge Cordell Riley, who's present here tonight. He's a former government statistician, and he was invited to contribute one chapter in the book to provide that analysis of what's changed since 1977 and what might still be the same. So I'd invite you, for no other purpose, don't read what I said, read what Cordell said, because he has, he's got more letters of the alphabet after his name. There, there are many re revelations and I can conclude in the final minute with just summarizing what they are. A few, a few of the interesting points that people did not know at the time. The governor and the security services were caught off guard by the scope and scale of the riots. It's very clear from the memos. The US Marines, not known at the time, were on a shoot to kill order. Remember the US Marines used to be down on the base. The UK troops that came here were also on a shoot to kill order if they were under threat. That's how serious it was. The cabinet was split on several issues concerning the death penalty and the executions and whether it should have been debated in parliament in that final week to stay the, stay the executions. There was confusion, disagreement, misinformation, miscommunication over many of the legal and policy implications of the executions. Even to this day, there are documented differences between Dr. David Owen, who's still alive, and who contributed to my book, and what Sir Peter Ramsbottom said. They had a huge falling out over the 1977 
events. And much of that has not been known to the public. And it was papered over at the time. There were very intriguing files, sorry, very intriguing findings from the UK files, which were kept out of public view for 30 years. But obviously, because of the legislation now, the files were opened. And it was just, like I said, a gold mine for a former detective to come along. And they didn't expect me to find what they wrote and penned in their telexes 30 years ago. Thanks very much.